0: Welcome in to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Android or Apple. You can find us on Spotify on both. You can also find us on the Nothing Minette channel on Dash Radio. Just download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing Manette. We're there every day from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. My new show is on onsideradio.com at 10 a.m. every day where I cover more than the Miami Heat. And of course, you can get all of our free sports content in South Florida. We do not have a paywall on 5 also check out our great sponsors including our friend mark over at ubrake wheel fix which is a wheel repair and refinishing company located in north miami with 15 years of experience where you can get your bent or cracked wheels you know what happens on the streets of south florida you can get those fixed there with fast turnaround times on most repairs they even offer loaner wheels while they fix or refinish your wheels so you can keep your car on the road without interruption if your wheels are faded or peeling U Brake Wheel Fix offers complete refinishing back to factory standards. If you're just bored with the look of your wheels, U Brake Wheel Fix offers over 5,000 different finishes to customize the look of your wheels. Don't spend money on new wheels when you can renew them at U Brake Wheel Fix, where they offer a full line of custom wheels and tires for every vehicle application. They offer in house repair and complete vehicle customization. So call U Brake Wheel Fix today at 305 748 0112. That's 305 30- 5 or online at ubreakwheelfix.com. You can also find them on Google, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Yelp. Again, that's at ubreakwheelfix. the phone number, 305-748-0112. Mention five reasons. Here's the key point. You get 15% off anything. That's right. Anything you do with them at you Break Wheel Fix. And now... Today's episode.
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander. Part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
0: Welcome back to Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Today's floor plan, it's pretty simple. We've got the coach, as everybody said. Yeah, baby. So let's get right <laughs> to it. Tony Fiorentino joining myself and Royal shepherd filling in as a host today. You can catch some of his stuff on our YouTube channel, including the new show Clutch Corner with Adam Barai, had Chef Trillion this week. So that was some cool stuff that's going to be going on every Tuesday night on our YouTube channel. We're now close to 10,000 subscribers so make sure you check that out um tony i want to start here with you you are out in the community that is a large part of your role here with the miami heat now but as we know the community that's changed with everything that's going on with covid how have you been able to still kind of interact with people what do you have planned how has that changed
2: your role yeah it's unfortunate because um We have combined with Bridget, a company out of New York, where we were going to hit two to three schools a week starting in August of the school year. And because of the pandemic, we we, we weren't able to go into any school, obviously, and still not able to. We've done some Zoom uh, meetings with the kids. Uh, It's an anti bullying campaign that we started, that I started when um, they moved me from uh, announcing to the community. And uh, it's had a big impact, where we, we we talk about kindness, and it feeds right into the pandemic, uh, actually, about doing kind deeds and uh, making people smile. And we make it a contest to see how many in that school can send uh, send out kind thoughts, kind uh, uh, suggestions to the uh, classmates, to the teachers, and the winner winners of this uh, within the school, and maybe the school winners themselves competing against other schools, we're going to find ways to reward them. So, you know, I was a teacher for 15 years, a high school teacher in New York, and I know firsthand what what bullying is about. So um, it, it's something that uh, is not uh, going as strong as we'd like it to right now because of the pandemic, but we have a feeling that's going to start to pick up in January as the, uh, the, the schools get the, the, their stuff together about how they want to handle in classroom uh, classes, not just on uh, on Zoom and, and play, you know, outlets like that. And so hopefully it'll start picking up again. And then we have Junior Heat, which is which is what the anti-bullying program is part of. Uh, Julian Sanchez, Santi Echevarria do a great job with that. We're going to start doing some uh, Zoom clinics. We're going to be offering clinics to uh, local coaches, coaches on different levels. Sometimes you have parents who's son is now a player you know eight seven eight nine years old and they start coaching they're really not coaches but they're volunteering their time so we can do some clinics for them and then we can do some for the coaches who are established middle school high school even college coaches so that that's in the works and it may start actually next week and so we're excited about that ethan
0: This is a complicated time for kids, obviously. I mean, they're adjusting to not being able to socialize. A lot of them, my daughter's in school, but I know a lot of of kids are not in school right now. How has that kind of impacted your job? Because I mean, in terms of what you do out in the community, because I got to think there's a lot of anxiety with kids right now. And it's just, it's, I mean, if it's scary for adults, it's got to be scary for children.
2: Yeah, no doubt. You know, even though the message is the same, you change it a little bit because of the anxiety Um, you know, not being able to socialize with classmates. Most kids are like that today. They're doing a lot of stuff on the internet, Uh, you know, classes on the internet. And uh, it's just a very scary time. As you said, it's scary for us adults. You can imagine the kids. And so you've got to reassure them that we're all in this together, that it brings you closer uh, actually, we're doing kind deeds and being nice to each other because we have to all pull through together. And so it, it does lend itself to the program that we're trying to promote.
1: So coach, I wanted to ask, uh, what's been the most rewarding part about uh, being able to do this work virtually? I mean, I know it's tough without being able to have face-to-face interaction with the kids, but I mean, this work can still be rewarding. So what's been the most uh, rewarding thing for you personally?
2: Well, it's great when we get on, the, on Zoom and we, go, we, go, we have all the kids on that, that, are, that can be on it and they're excited and they have a lot of questions and they like the fact that we're giving them the attention that they're not getting in the classroom. And so this, they have a bunch of questions. It's obviously it's easier being with the Heat, especially coming off this great successful season they had last few months ago, you know, getting to within two wins of, the, of an NBA championship again. And that, that excitement carries over into the Zooms and uh, into the meetings. And, and uh, it makes it a lot easier to relate to the kids. And one of the, one of the easiest things I have to do is just relate a lot of what the Heat players do and, and make them examples for the kids. And it's very easy to do. You know, the leadership of a Udonis Haslam and the leadership of a BAM, the unselfishness of, of a Butler and the different players on the team, um, the way they, 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 they just uh, play for each other and nobody cares how many points they score, all of the intangibles that you try to teach kids are inherent in the HEAT team with their culture. So we, we promote a lot of the HEAT culture through our, our Zoom meetings with the kids along with uh, kind deeds and, and, um, and, and, and trying to just allay their fears and anxieties or lessen them at least. And uh, they do feel better about themselves after the meeting because we were able to show them the attention they deserve.
0: Tony, you mentioned uh, what just happened in the bubble, and and I think a lot of us expected the Heat to compete well in the bubble because it was going to lend itself to the good organizations with structure, with leadership, with quality coaching, and the Heat had all of that. And so I think we felt that they would overachieve from what the national perception was. I don't know that we necessarily thought that they would get to the finals and be two wins from a championship and maybe even have pulled the thing off if they'd been entirely healthy at the end, just observing it. And then I want to get to some historical stuff with you and where this team kind of fits, but just observing it, what jumped out the most to you? What, what are the moments from this run that you're going to most remember? Well, I
2: think um, the mental toughness, you got to have mental toughness, you know, um, sometimes Individually and team wise, you may say, Woe is us. Look what we're in. You know, I can't be with my family the first couple of months in there. Um, it's an unusual situation. But the Heat did a great job of co- co- uh, de- uh, mentalizing themselves where they um, said, Look, this is what it is. it is. It's going to be this way. There's no sense getting down about it. Let's rally around ourselves and rely on each other. And I think what you saw. Was the Heat culture, at, 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 you know, at its apex, and sometimes people uh, are not totally accepting that there is a Heat culture because other teams are good as well and have good programs. But I think the greatest uh, example of how good the Heat culture is is when players come from other teams and are lauding the Heat culture. You got players that have come from Boston and players came from Golden State, two very solid organizations, who say it's just a little different here with the heat culture. And so when you, when you have players that come from so elsewhere and they can then talk about that to the younger players and you have a leader like Jimmy Butler on the court, Udonis Haslam as a quote player coach. Um, and and then you have the great coaching of Eric Spolster. It's nice to see him starting to get some recognition. You know, when I was on the air with Eric for years, I always extolled his, um, Uh, qualities as a coach and as a person people just thought I might be saying that because he and I are very good friends and I was announcing for the Heat but they're starting to see what I was talking about all those years he's a very special person very special coach Um, uh, Pat Riley and Mickey and Nick Harrison uh, have done an unbelievable job as leaders in this team from the top and then coach Bolster takes it creates the culture and you saw the benefit of all of that in the bubble where they were able to go 12-3 and against Indiana, Milwaukee, and Boston to get to the NBA Finals. And as you said, Ethan, who knows what would have happened if Bam didn't get hurt and Dragic didn't get hurt. You know, it's part of the game. The injuries are part of the game. But you got to wonder what it would have been like if they had been healthy and uh, maybe the result would have been different.
0: We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our longest standing sponsors. They're one of the sponsors that helped us get going at the beginning and has helped keep us going. Definitely give them a call. The good people over at Seltzer Mayberg. It's a law firm in North Miami right off I-95, right around 107th. Again, right off 95. Beautiful new building there. You can reach them 24-7 at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, call legal.com. So reach out to them. They handle all kinds of different cases. But particularly if you've had a car accident or you've had a traffic ticket, they've helped me a couple of times with traffic tickets. I must say, got them tossed out. Again, onecalllegal.com. That's where you go. Check them out. Then you ask for either Eric or Mendy uh, or David or, or uh, Cassandra. They're just great people down there over at the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. So again, it's onecalllegal.com Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. And now back to the episode.
1: Coach, I kind of want to stick to the bubble. Uh, You've been around, I I know for the entire time that I've been a fan, uh, you've been around this organization longer than most, so you've seen quite a bit. I want you to kind of tell me where would you rank that bam block on Jason Tatum, the all-time plays that you've seen uh, during your time with the Heat?
2: I'll tell you what, Royal, I'm proud of the fact that I'm one of six Heat employees that have been there the 30 this is our 33rd year. And you know, I came on that original coaching staff and I've worn many hats. I'm wearing a different one now, so to speak. But uh, I think that's the greatest block in the history of the franchise because th- that's a game winning basket that would have you know, given Boston the win where I know uh, people like to compare it to the block that, that Chris Bosh had uh, in overtime in game six against Andy Green in that, that right corner in front of the, uh, the San Antonio's bench. After, you know, Ray Allen made the three, we stopped him in, in regulation. And then in, in overtime, we were up three. And then Chris Bosh made that block. Um, so I, I think the two biggest, the greatest blocks in the history of the franchise was the 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 the, the, the block with Bam, with his left hand, kept it inbounds, grabbed it. You know, I, I used to like to talk about how the great shot blockers like Alonzo Mourning kept the ball inbounds after they blocked it. Not only did Bam block it, but he caught it and then got fouled. And so uh, that and the, and the block by Chris Bosch in that corner against Danny Green, who was trying to tie it in overtime to send the series to game seven in 13, which we won, which I'm wearing the, uh, I'm wearing the ring, back-to-back championship ring. I wouldn't have this on right now maybe if Chris didn't make that block. So it's, uh, I think those are the two biggest blocks, Royal.
0: All right. And to that point, we got to rank something else because we just saw one of the great finals performances. I I think in history, um, what Jimmy Butler did in those two games where he had sort of a miraculous performance and then somehow topped it uh, two games later. And just at, you know, at that point, I think anybody would have run out of gas. I ranked it as one of the three greatest performances in heat history uh, in terms of that, a playoff stage Uh, to me. Uh, Dwayne against Dallas, uh, particularly the game three performance uh, down Uh, to LeBron in Boston, the 45 points in Boston um, backs against the wall, probably going to break up the big three era if you lose that game. And and really, he's the one guy who at least offensively came to play that game. And everybody always remembers kind of the snarl and everything else. And then Jimmy's two in the finals. I know this is almost impossible. Put them in order.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, uh, people started to talk about um, what Jimmy was doing comparing to what Dwayne Wade did. You know, Dwayne, uh, just to set it up for people that may not remember, he went down 0-2 to Dallas. And they came home to play three games. And in fact, when Eric Reed and I were doing a post-game show on Fox, when people were walking out, we were up a little bit on a platform. So the people were eye-level to us. They were yelling, sweep, sweep. And they were right. We swept them the next four games. But um, when we came home for that game three, we were down 13 with six and a half minutes left. Dwayne Wade came out of the timeout and says, we're not going out like this. And what people may forget is that the Heat were up one when um, uh, Dirk Nowitzki took the ball out in front of the Heat bench and threw a lob at the rim. Dwayne Wade's man set a back screen. Dwayne did not go up with his man. He stayed home at the rim and knocked the pass away. Dallas may have won that game at the buzzer, if Dwayne didn't block knock that ball away. Not only did he have over forty points, but he did that great play. And then the Heat won the next two, and then went to Dallas in Game Six, down double figures in that quarter, first quarter, and won the won the first series. And Dwayne, obviously, you know, some people voted that as the greatest Finals in the history of the NBA. At that point. And I think Jimmy Butler's performance can rival that, you know, it's a matter of, uh, you know, you gotta, it's a subjective decision on what you might think, but I think it rivals it. And then you, you brought up the one with LeBron, the Heat won the first two games in the Eastern finals in, uh, in 12. And then um, they, went, they lost the next two in Boston, came home for game five. That was a series where Chris Bosh was still out with that pulled uh, muscle in his rib cage. He got hurt in the Indiana series in the semis of the, of the East. And so he wasn't playing until game five and the heat lost that game to Boston. Then they had to go to Boston in, in, a, in a place where they very rarely won. And LeBron had an unbelievable game with the eyes and he went 45, 15 and five. He was unbelievable in that game. And then they came home and won game seven with Chris Bosh scoring three threes and then went on and beat Oklahoma city. So uh, I, I think you, you nailed it, uh, Ethan, those three, uh, I would, you know, I don't know how you would rank the three of them. For me, the most fun one was the first one with Dwayne, mm-hmm. you know, doing what he did. That, that got us the, the, the first championship. But you, you can make an argument that the other two are right up there with it.
0: All right. So give me the rest of the names. You mentioned one of six. I, I think I know the names, Tony. The six originals that are left. Um, I know Jose is one of them. Give me the other four. Who, who are the six? The six originals.
2: Jose, uh, uh, Jose Pineda is the Spanish announcer. Uh, Eric Reed, my partner, for years, we were we said on the air we were proud of the fact we were the only announcing duo in the NBA that had been with the team since its inception, which was, which was great for the fans because anything that came up in the conversation, you never know what's going to come up in a game. Could have been year 1, 8, 15, 20, 25. It didn't matter. I was there as a coach originally and then in a the broadcaster. Eric was there from the beginning, and we always had a story to tell because we were there and we experienced it. So you got two, you got Andy Ellisberg, the the uh, cap guru of the NBA. Um, you got Sam Shulman. He's, the, uh, he's been CFO, Chief Financial Officer of the Heat since day one. And Jeff Craney. We call Jeff Craney number one because he was the first person hired by Shafer and Cunningham when this franchise started, really in 1987, the year before 1988, when he officially got the team. He was there. He was number one. And he, he's the, he's the, he works in the, in, in the marketing department. He's right under Michael McCullough. And he's a good friend. And he's, he's one of the people I work with now with the uh, Junior Heat and, and the anti-bullying campaign. So those are the six. You got Coach Rothstein, who was there originally and then came back. And Bill Ferran. Mm-hmm. you can say he was there from the beginning with an asterisk because mm-hmm. our first year, we worked out at the uh, uh, UM's gym, the night gym. And Bill was a mm-hmm. strength coach there. And I believe he was the national strength coach of the year for the football team the year before in 87. So when we got there in 88 and started practicing, he would come into the weight room and help our guys with weights. And then Ron Rothstein went to, went to Louis Chaffel and Billy Cunningham and said, we need to hire a strength and conditioning coach, which was not common at that time in 1989. And so Bill was hired the second year of the franchise officially, and he's still part of it with his son being the official strength coach. Now, Eric, but he was there really from the beginning as well.
0: All right. One of the reasons I'm asking is the first person on Twitter who can tweet at me at Five Reason Sports, the six originals, we're sending you a shirt. Okay. So, so oh, I, hope wow. you were, I hope you were listening to Tony. There. <laughs> I, I hope you were listening to, I hope you're listening to, well, we need to get some Yeah Baby shirts on the site, but that's a separate conversation that you and I all have. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so I got that tweet. I, <laughs> I, I know. I see your tweets. I know. I know. I see your tweets. We're going to get to this year's team in a second, but I want to stay historical here. Uh, with a moment, just have some fun with this kind of rapid fire. First guy that comes to your head, okay? Most underrated player in Heat history. You can only have one. Most underrated player.
2: Wow, that's tough. Um, wow. Uh, I, I don't know if UD can be considered underrated because what he he started for the 0-16, came off the bench for the uh, 12 and 13 championship team, and you know doesn't play a whole lot but he leads and does so much by example that people may have underrated his impact on this franchise over 18 years the only guy in the history of the nba the nba is 70 years old started 1946 74 years old he's the only guy in the history of the nba to be undrafted play with one team for 18 years and be its all-time leading uh, rebounder so i would say him um lamar odom had a great one year for the heat after after there was some criticism on why the Heat would sign him like they did. It, you know, he, w- he was 13-man on a 12-man Eastern All-Star team. He had a great one year with the Heat. And because of that one year that he had, he were able to trade him and Karan and a few other guys to get Shaq, which led to a championship. So um, I think uh, people may have forgotten that the first Udonis Hazen was Grant Long. I never saw Grant Long in all the practices and all the games, all the shoot-arounds. He never not played hard, Grant Long. And, and UD sometimes gives Grant a lot of credit because UD grew up watching Grant Long play and 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 kind of emulated his game for, you know, after uh, Grant Long. And so I think, th- I think those three guys kind of come to mind a little bit.
1: Uh, so, Coach, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is like one of the biggest what-if scenarios of your team? Like what if – this player had a we had been able to grant, get this player or what if we hadn't have been able to get or lose this player or something like that like what's one of the-, no,
2: the, old, the biggest one if what if in our franchise history is when um uh alan houston made that shot we were we were tied 2-2 in the five game series and the winner of that series was going to play the winner of atlanta detroit and i had scouted detroit Called jeff buzdelic the other assistant was scouted Atlanta, and we were ready to stay up all night. It was a Sunday. We were going to stay up all night and help the other guy with, with the pick because that night Atlanta played Detroit. Um, and we had we were 4-0 against Atlanta that year. They won that series. We would have probably been in the Eastern Finals, I believe, against Indiana, I think it was, that year. So we had a great shot to get to the finals if Allen Houston didn't make that shot. And I remember we were up one. The ball was going down the other end with Tim and uh, and, um, and um, there was another guard there and the ball was knocked loose and it came all the way toward our bench and it was off us and we couldn't run it down. So it was kind of like four seconds left and then we know what happened on that play. Uh, Houston went around a screen, Marley came around behind him, and Allen Houston took the shot, it hit the rim, the backboard, the rim and went in and we lost by one and the season, the season was over. We never imagined that, that we would lose, you know, so. I, that, to me, that's the biggest one. What, what if. All
0: right, this, is, this may be the toughest question I'm throwing at you because there's a, a long history of great heat shooters. And, of course, one guy made the biggest shot, arguably, in NBA history in the finals. But I also know you're partial to a guy that you coached, and there have been some other great shooters who have come since. So I'll tell you this. You've got one shot. Your life is depending on one shot, okay, one three-point shot from any heat player in history. Who's getting the ball?
2: Well, I'd have to go with Ray Allen. You know, I love Duncan Robinson. But, you know, he's got a long way to go in his career. Ray Allen is a Hall of Famer. Did it for, you know, 15, 16, whatever years he played. And maybe more than that. And um, the, the most amazing thing about Ray Allen's shot is that when it was all said and done, he made the three, tied the game. It was all net. We win the series eventually, back-to-back, all right. Um, he wound up telling Coach Spolstra that he had practiced that shot. Now, how do you practice that shot? When the way he practiced it, he said that, you know, we, his, his workouts were legendary. I used to go get there early, 3, 3.30 on game day to watch him go a half hour, sweat. He probably went up and took a shower before the game to get ready for the game. and But he would do everything game-oriented. And what he did was one of the plays that he did, one of the situations he created for himself, he sit in the lane facing the basket and picture him on the broken line, facing the basket, sitting down, he would jump up and backpedal to the three-point line and have a coach throw him the ball. I mean, who works on that? And who knew that that was going to be the most iconic shot in the history of the Miami Heat, one one of the greatest and iconic shots in the history of the NBA playoffs. And he was prepared for that. You know how difficult that shot yeah. was to backpedal, to be in a position, not to be stepping on the three-point line, not to be out of bounds because there's not much room in that right corner, and to catch the ball in one motion, go straight up, don't fade back, all in one rhythm. And then he liked, he basically shot with a, uh, his shot, didn't have the arc that a lot of people had. He basically shot with a line mm-hmm. drive. That mm-hmm. shot had an arc, and it was all net. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story. I would go with Ray Allen.
0: You know, it's funny. I talked to him. I was in the Bahamas the next year for training camp in Atlantis, and I talked to him just about that. Just wrote a whole column about sort of the aftermath of the shot. And he basically said it best. He said that was my career in one play. It's like basically everything that I'd worked towards my entire career, the preparation, everything to be in that position at that moment. But I will say this. Look, that is the obvious answer, and I thought you'd go with it. Should I send this to Glenn Rice? Because I, because I, I thought you might go a little <laughs> bit back further in your history. Yeah. G money's kinda... my man.
2: You know, I love, <laughs> I working. know, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to feel about yeah, that. Well, you... you know, uh, in fact, I just texted him yesterday because we play golf together and we also work together uh, in the camps when we have them. And he also helps, uh, helps with the uh, anti-bullying campaign. So I'm very close to Glenn. He's one of the first guys I worked with when I was an assistant coach and, um, You know, the great Glenn Rice story was when he came to, to for a workout before the draft, we had the fourth pick in the draft. If we had the number one pick, we would have taken him and we were hoping that he was available with the fourth pick. That's another story in itself. But when we were in the night gym working him out, he was walking off the court to go to the locker room. He must have been four feet out of bounds on the left baseline. I'll never forget this. And somebody threw him the ball and he shot a swish. It had to be like 30 something feet. And he walked into the locker room. You talk about the rest of us standing there with our mouth open. But uh, you make a pretty good point there, Rita. I'm going to have to soft pedal this.
0: (laughs) No no doubt about it. You're up, Royal. Last one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) While you guys are partial to shooting, I'm more partial to uh, ducks and highlight plays. I wanted to ask you about who is the best pure athlete that you've seen come through uh, the Miami Heat organization?
2: Uh, We've had a few, boy. You know, first one you go back would be uh, Bimbo Coles. Bimbo wasn't really a basketball player when he came out of Virginia Tech. He was a, um, a, a great athlete. I think Bimbo could have played, may, may have been able to play baseball. He definitely could have played pro football. And he made himself into a basketball player. So he was a great athlete. Um, LeBron, I'd have to say LeBron is the greatest athlete to ever come through. You know, the, the guy is a, a freak of nature, um, uh, came to play every night. Um, the most intimidating thing that LeBron did was we're, we're sitting there getting ready for the game to start. Okay. courtside, court side, Eric and I, and, and the first thing you see before the buzzer sounds for the team to come out, there's LeBron sprinting out to the, uh, uh, the circle on the side of the circle where he would always position himself and the other team would be coming out and there's LeBron standing there already. That's intimidating. So to me, he's the best athlete in the history of the Miami Heat.
0: All right. So we're going with LeBron and we're going with Ray Allen and and you'll have to make it up to to Glenn Rice at some point. (laughs) All right. A word from one of our sponsors and then we're going to get to the current team. Okay. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. Before we do want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network, you know, Knicks are no good in the NBA. You're familiar with that. The Knicks are no good. Well, Knicks are no good when you're shaving certain parts of your body either. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. I never thought I would actually say that on a podcast. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Make sure you trim yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN at manscaped.com. And now this is where I end my career. Your balls will thank you. And now, back to the episode. All right, right back here on five on the floor. All right, Tony, so we're looking ahead to this most strange of seasons. Uh, strangest of seasons. It's going to come up, I guess, a second strangest season after the one that was just completed. It's going to be different. Obviously, you got teams that are coming in to play two games instead of one game. you got the travel back, but no fans, at least for the beginning of the year. But there are high expectations for this team. So I just want to give you some players here. Royal and I give you some players. And I want to ask you kind of what you want to see in terms of the next stage of their development. Because we've seen so many of these players develop here in the Heat program. And I'll start here with Bam Adebayo. If you... If he could, he's already taken huge steps. All-star in his third season. Uh, he's getting recognized now as a top 15 player in the NBA by ESPN and some of these other uh, services. What do you want to see next from Bam?
2: Well, I, th- I think what, when you think about Bam, think about game six against Boston. Uh, that, 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 uh, that's clearly and easily the best game of his career. He was unbelievable. That was a Hall of Fame performance to me in game six when the Heat won and won the series four to two. And, and so if he can play that back, put that in the, in the machine and just look at that all the time and, 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 and try to aspire to be as that good in all aspects of his game. I think, you know, I've seen him shoot before games. And the last thing he does, he goes to the corners and shoots threes. I think he's going to expand his game. He's gotten very aggressive, very assertive with the ball. He wasn't like that the first couple of years. It came last year. Uh, as the year progressed, he got more and more assertive, more and more confident of going to the rim. Um, I think he if you ask him, he wants to be a more consistent foul shooter. I think he wants to be better at that. Um, he's great at handling the ball and setting up the offense for coach, you know, as a 6 6'9 um, facilitator, if you will. Um, but I think a more consistent jay you know, jump shot, where you can go from 15 to 17, maybe the 18, 19, and then eventually out to the three-point line. I think once he adds a little distance on his jumper, he's going to be very difficult to guard because people got to come out and guard him out there. He can go around him both right and left. And we know he's an outstanding passer. I I had a great story about him. Um, He had two games in a row where he had double-figure assists. And uh, it was a home game where he had the second game. And I said to him after the game, I said, you know, you had a great, great two games. said, you're the best, second best big man passer in the NBA. And he looked at me strangely. He goes, who's number one? I said, Jokic, Denver. He goes, he didn't say anything. So the next game, I see his mom. And I tell her I heard the story about this, the conversation I had with her son about him being the second best big man shooter. She goes, Jokic. She acknowledged it without me even saying it. So she knew. So he he deals in reality He's got a mom who deals in reality. No, she gives him
0: reality, Tony. I think think that's a big part
2: of it. (laughs) He keeps his head level. Let me tell you, man, she's a tough lady and she's a great lady. Really cool to talk to. Um, Gets upset at certain things, you know, like a mom would. But uh, she's there, boy. She's his rock. And so um, I think when he expands his outside shooting and improves improves his free throw shooting, then he'll be more inclined to get fouled more, too.
1: Uh, Coach, another young player that everybody seems to be pretty excited about is Tyler Hero. Uh, what do you see as the next steps in his development? We know he had the double-digit scoring streak in the bubble as well as having a few big games, but what is the next step in his progression?
2: Well, I think we saw in the playoffs, I think what happens with a young player who's as talented as he is, is, is trying to corral that energy. And there are times when he gets a little careless with the dribble, especially in, uh, in transition in traffic. And so I think, and he, stay, he tends to be, be a little more erect with the dribble, though he was in the bubble. And, I, you know, obviously the Heat are the best, I think, the best in the NBA at teaching and, and, and improving players on parts of their game. And I'm sure that's part of what they're looking at with him, where he, um, his next step to becoming a, point, quote, point guard is to get that dribble a little lower, to be more a little more conscious in traffic and not uh, lose the ball like he did sometimes. Times in, but a 20-year-old rookie, you expect that. Uh, I think the other part of it is he's going to improve as a defensive player. Um, He is six, five. And, and he's when he's playing smaller players, you got to get more in that defensive stance, but all, those are all the things, you know, you're nitpicking when you talk about those two things with him, because he had probably the best rookie finals than anybody in history. You know, you're going back to magic Johnson. They were comparing him to with numbers. And we know that um, he's not afraid of anything. We know that, uh he's very assertive um a little cocky which is fine if you can back it up and that's part of the attraction of of a tyler hero that he can make and take and make the the big shot when you need him to and he's not afraid of the big moment all
0: right last one here before we close i'm curious for your view on this one because duncan robinson to the rest of the nba world just came out of nowhere um Eric Spolcher was calling him one of the best shooters on the planet before last season. We weren't even sure if he was going to be in the rotation and, and that he ended up having one of the best shooting seasons we've ever seen. Um, but my question with someone like Duncan Robinson, we know he can shoot. I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, you know, and you're in the forties from three on 11 attempts a game, you can shoot. How does he make himself viable enough as a defender or get the respect from the officials enough that he can play those minutes at the end of the game where he wasn't really in some of those crunch time lineups um, as we got deeper into the playoffs.
2: Well, you know, he's six, eight, and and they, they have him listed as a guard. And so he winds up guarding a guard. The guy winds up guarding a shooting guard. And some of those guys are not as tall as him. So they're going to be a little quicker, a little faster. He'd switch a lot. And so he's going to find himself on some bigger guys, smaller guys. Um, It's all, it's all a progression. He when you when you look at guys like him and you look at guys like Goran Dragic, who wasn't known as a defender, still not known as a defender, but you can see them really working at it. The way they get down in their defensive stance and they really hustle over the screens and they 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 dive when that when their man gets tries to go to the basket and they're in the position to steal the ball or whatever. They're really working hard at that. And they're in a perfect uh, situation with the Heat, because that's what the Heat stresses. You know, when you're a defense-oriented team, it's something that you have to stress almost almost every day. I did it as a high school coach when I was a high school coach. If we're going to be a defense-oriented team, then you got to even, I don't care if you work on it 10 minutes a day, you're working on it because the mentality is there. And I see Duncan Robinson as a much improved defensive player. I saw him last year in the bubble, last season in the bubble, than I did the first year he was with the Heat. And he's going to continue to improve with that. And as, as he becomes more familiar with the players in the league, the more experience he gets, he's going to be more familiar with the moves that they're trying to make on him. And, and then, and, and the practice that he gets every day with the heat coaches, he's going to improve. He's working hard to improve. And I think the respect from the officials will come that that's something that you have to earn in the NBA. And once they see you working hard and, 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 and eventually, um, you know, doing a better job defensively, he'll learn the the ref's respect and that will kind of work itself out.
0: All right, Tony, we appreciate you taking this much time with us. Again, you can always follow Tony on Twitter. He's a great follow, but also on his website, what you got going on there?
2: Yeah. Not just basketball.com. It's all one word, not just basketball.com. I've got 35 tips on there. I've got quotes. I've got funny quotes. I've got tips for young players and coaches. Um, I got I must have about 25 30 pictures in there of uh, you know different uh, situations with with uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and different people. It's just it's an exciting to me. It's an exciting website that I, It got me through the pandemic, to be honest. I worked on it every day uh, with editing and all of that, and I got it to the point where I'm going to start start tweeting it a little bit. I've even got an anti-bullying section that you can go to for anybody that's you know wants to try an anti-bullying uh, program. So there's a lot there, and um, I encourage people to go to notjustbasketball.com. Thanks, Ethan.
0: Uh, no problem. Notjustbasketball.com. We'll promote it from our place. I will say before we go, you got to do one thing because I'm looking at I'm looking at that great portrait of you and Ronnie oh, yeah. behind <laughs> you, uh, Ronnie with hair. Um, but you got to give me this. You got to give me this for people. I'm a terrible photo editor, as everybody tells me. You got to flash the ring one more time. Oh yeah. Fla- flash the ring. Flash the ring. There we. Oh, there you go. There you go. Looks like it's, All wait right. a minute.
2: looks like it's upside down.
0: Yeah, it was. Right. No, no. Now it's upside down. Oh, it was, okay. It was, OK. I got it. There you go. Now I see it. I got it. Yeah, I you got know, it's it. got two
2: trophies there. I, I, we've got obviously we've got three of them. I like to wear this one because people like to take pictures with it.
0: I, I like it. I like it. I got that's the best one I got. T, I appreciate it. Thanks, coach. Um, and give me one. Yeah, baby. On the way out.
2: Ethan Royal. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, baby, let's get the season started.